Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween, that's right, to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil in trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble, featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology. The Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use the code POA for 20% off plus free shipping y'all know we've been talking about manscape for it feels like the length of this program and i truly love them actually i just got through cleaning up uh my head with my manscaped uh razor the beard hedger y'all know is great i love it because it doesn't have a bunch of guards it's just got a little clicky clicky thing i wish more things had a clicky clicky thing instead of add-on things that's just me and of course even though it's becoming fall in the south it's still a little warm and i know where trays in california it is so you can never go wrong with the ball toner and the ball deodorant to keep your balls smelling way less like balls right trey tell them a little bit more about our friends over at manscaped it may be spooky season, but you don't want to scare people with a scraggly beard, now do you? Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. Are you tired of a bad razor making your neck look like a scary movie? With the Handyman skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool for on-the-go. And being able to shave up to three days' growth without the mess of a wet shave is priceless. And for my wolf men with a little more scruff out there, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting links, all with one guard, so no more drawers full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs. That's right, your Halloween costumes may take effort, but beard grooming doesn't need to when you can get 20 different beard links with just one guard. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. So, to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code POA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code POA. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handy man from Manscaped. Well, here we are, Airheads. We're back in the virtual Airstream studios. I'm in the present day, chose in the distant past, it would appear. <laughs> if you're watching, then you know that he's in black and white. But more importantly than that, and I want an answer for that, but more importantly than that, uh, he also has freed the bee, ladies and gentlemen, a monumental day in not only POA history, but the history of my relationship <laughs> with this man. Freeing the bee means that uh, he's got his bald head open <laughs> to God's own air. Uh, nothing between him. He's just raw dogging the <laughs> yeah. top half of his environment with his bald head, which normally 
I've never known him to do. So it's a pretty big time. I feel like it's a trend because you this past weekend you were forced into freeing the bee yeah. in Los Angeles because you left all your hats behind on accident. And now here you're choosing to do it. I'm just saying, looks like you're uh, changing. I exaggerate a lot. We both do. We're comedians. You know, obviously, you know, me and you are, I would say, uh, in in the comedic genre, we are of the truth-telling variety, correct? Yeah. Yes. We're fr- I mean, you freedom mean fighters, like, warriors, truth warriors. We speak oh, truth to power. You know, all that stuff. Sure. We're that heroes. Too. But I thought you, yeah, we are. Go ahead. I'll tell you what I thought you meant in a minute and see where you stand on, well, on well, that, what too. I, what I meant by, regardless of whether that is true, that is not to say that in some areas we don't embellish things for a better story. And I've often uh, spoken in hyperbole. I'm a very hyperbolic man. But I genuinely think that I can say with 100% certainty that I have never appeared on camera for entertainment purposes unless I was playing a character without a hat i genuinely think that's true this is a monumental moment for me and why why am you know what brought it about well i'm doing uh today we're going to talk about harry houdini this is definitely going to be at least a two-parter maybe a three-parter because one of the things that i feel that needs to be contextualized to appreciate houdini more is the vaudeville era and so with the vaudeville era, I thought, oh, it'd be neat to go black and white, kind of look a little old school, put on an old school shirt and tie. And then I was like, no oh, blackface. Go- you, you opted against the blackface. <laughs> it's so that funny. Have, that might We'd, have more I, quickly sold the, yeah, the whole thing. You it's know. so that's You wouldn't have had to explain it then if you'd just done that. But, right. you know. That was going to come up. I mean, that is going to sure, come up. Blackface is, is going to come up. And I'm not kidding, man. And I don't know how I, how, what this says about me, but like, if we were doing this podcast 10 years ago, there's a part of me that believes that I might have done it thinking I could pull it off. Like, oh, no, yeah. they'll know that it's a gag. You know what I'm right. saying? Because, like, that's yeah. – blackface is, is really – you know, it, it did have its moment where it was – okay, it was never good, but there was a little moment where everybody was like, right, but if you're making fun of blackface, it's fine. That – and I, I wasn't – we were too young for this, but, like, that version of blackface, the, like, old-school minstrel blackface yeah. – I mean, Ted Danson caught all kinds of shit for that right. when he wore blackface to some award show. He was dating was Whoopi. It, he was dating Whoopi Goldberg, and it was her idea. Her idea. Yeah. I mean, they both they both said it was her idea, but still, he got raked over the coals for that, and that was like thirty something years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But like you know, like but then there's like Robert you know, Downey Jr. Of course, and it's like that. I'm sorry, that don't count. That's it a different count. thing. Frankly, in my I don't it's think that Ted fine. Danson should have counted the same either, because he was doing it to lampoon it. You know what right. I mean? Yes. Like there, there's nuance to it. And then there was there was a more Always recent sunny one in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. What what they? I mean, they get away with everything. They right? do get away like, with everything, but so they in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the characters in the show like we're trying to make a movie. So they they some one of them wrote a script for like Lethal Weapon Six. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and Mac played Riggs, and yeah. he went in blackface. Murtaugh. Murtaugh, yeah, Murtaugh, the one who is too old for this shit, and he did it in blackface. And like the the reason that they got away with it in the show is because the joke is that Mac thinks that's okay and mac is a piece of shit like mac is like in the show mac is like a hardcore well at this time in the show hardcore fundamentalist christian super homophobic so like the joke was that like of course he thinks it's okay which again i think with the nuance it's like yeah that's fine well even 
there was one on the internet within the past three or four months. It was a white woman. Really? Yeah. But, and I, and I feel like it was fine. And but anyway, it was a white woman who's a makeup artist and oh. she turned herself into Kobe Bryant with, with makeup. <laughs> right. That's kind of different but, too. But like, she pulled it, it off, looked right? Exactly like fucking right. Kobe Bryant. She went from a white one using just makeup, you know. And I mean, I guess I'm, I don't know enough about makeup. I don't know if she's like a full blown like special effects makeup artist in the movies right. or what. But using just makeup, she turned herself from a, a a white woman into straight up Kobe Bryant. And there was this big debate online about like, you know, whether that was cool or not. And I feel like people mostly landed on. It's just because she knocked it out of the park the way she did. Most people landed on like, I mean, you know, I'm kind of fine with it. Like, yes, like that's crazy. And like I saw a lot of if she just put black, if she just put charcoal black on her face and made her lips red and said, I'm Kobe Bryant. Like, that's (laughs) wrong. Be pretty different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. Yeah, that's scary uh, though, by the way, because I've seen some of those makeup people that like they're like, I'm going to turn myself into this. And like, dude, it's it's not even like. Oh, that looks like a person who has made themselves up to look like like they fucking just straight up look like that person. Like I feel like they could get onto their phones using their face ID. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you compare that with what deep fakes be doing and stuff, it, it's it's scary nowadays. It's, like it's wild. You know, video yeah. evidence won't mean shit anymore at a certain point. Which yeah, is like I'm not one nuts. of those. I'm not one of those like complete deep state QAnon, like, you know, the government's always watching and blah. I mean, they are, but like, I'm not one of those people. However, like I genuinely, especially in our field of work, I do get worried about the deep fake stuff because they can do it with voices now too. So I'm like, and now I, I bet you it's hitting for a lot of people because they're like, now, if I ever do fuck up, I can just claim that it was this and all my people will believe it. You know what I mean? Right. Whatever. Anyways, that's why I'm in black and white, because I wanted to look like an old school vaudevillian dude and all my hats that I would wear to pull that off. I can't fit my headphones on it. Thus, the B is free. But I feel like it's still indicative of something. You're feeling more generally comfortable with your uh, bald head or something like that. It's being a dad. Is that what it is? What, yep. you're just like letting go of your youth and everything? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like, I don't need to hit anymore. I'm a yep. dad now. <laughs> I'm I'm being dead serious. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. Like, um, it's almost like I I now the body and way I look, I've now grown completely into it. Like, like when I was young, when I was younger and single, it didn't hit the way I was. But now, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, dads are supposed to be bald and have a gut. Like, that's yeah. what dads do. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, working on the gut part of it, as, as a lot of people know. Like, my gut, I have gotten, I've definitely gained weight since we had the kid, but I'm still de- net positive down weight overall from my fattest but like yeah man i don't know like it, it like i'm officially out of the i never wanted i always wanted to just be with amber but when you have the kid i'm like okay i hang the jersey in the rafters you know what i mean it's fucking over but and i'm you know i'm i'm i love this i've been trying to get you to do this for 10 years i've been trying to get you to accept all this and just go you know full cho full bald cho it's been my uh, crusade for a long time so i love it i guess just playing devil's advocate or whatever because you already know that i don't even believe what i'm about to say myself but you're like oh i don't even want to 
you know, I'm married. I got, I'm a kid. I have a kid, whatever, all that's done. But like we're in show business, right? Yeah. But as you know, I've always told you, you in show business, like you can hit real hard looking like a fat bald dad or whatever. And Thank that, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're starting to make me go yeah. back the other way now. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> see, I knew it would. We've had this conversation <laughs> so much over the years, but it's like, it's like, well, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld, your idol, he said, he said that like any comedian gains or loses 50 pounds and they're not yep. funny anymore. Or That's they're, true. They're, they're no longer funny. And it's like right now there's a thing happening that we don't, we can get into it as much. It's actually, I mean, it is kind of directly relevant to this show really. Okay. But like Tom Segura is, you know, one of the biggest comedians on planet earth and he's in some hot water right now because he's been acting super elitist and yeah. uh, he's got a running gag where he makes fun of the pores uh, but he's been doing that for a long time. But uh, he got yeah, into. But a now it seems like there's not a punchline. Yes, I agree. But I'm saying he. I've seen a lot of people online talking about how like guy he hit so much harder when he was fat, you know, and they're posting yeah. like pictures yeah. of old fat him, and he was real because, fat, you know. Yes, and because people are like this person- dude smashed right yeah <laughs> like, like this guy now i don't know he's kind of a dick or whatever i still like tom segura i, I, do I don't too. i don't like that thing he's doing but i'm a pretty big fan of his likewise but, uh it's an interesting case study in, in no. the seinfeld you know the, uh hypothesis listen there's truth to comics. that there's 100 <laughs> percent truth to that because when tom was fat and didn't he didn't have full shaved he was thinning right when yeah. he was fat and thinning when he would make fun of the pores, I think the pores would look at him and be like, he looks like one of us. This is fine. You know yeah. what I mean? But now that he's felt clearly gets like, I mean, even though he just goes with shaved, it's like faded. Like you can tell he spends money on getting his head shaved and like yeah. everything he does is tailored. Well, now you, they don't want to hear that coming from him. And I totally understand that. And um, yeah. And, and, you know, a big thing for me, I always said was, and I believe this, I a hundred percent believe this. I have when I'm when I'm wearing a hat and I'm wearing my, you know, Georgia T-shirt and my jeans and my tennis shoes, I got I can put off a very all shucks. Look at this kid. He's not serious, whatever. And I felt like I could get away with a lot of stuff. Uh, And then I'm like, but I take the hat off. All of a sudden I look like I have some very unpopular opinions on vaccinations that I'm about to share with each of you, whether you want me to or not. Right. But now that I'm a dad, my material that I'm writing is more dad shit so i'm like well you know what maybe i do want the audience to take me with more credibility and go oh yeah he looks like a dad this guy is a dad we relate now now i'm relating to different people you know what i mean yeah i'm gonna wear a fucking hat the second we get off this goddamn show now for sure for what why because i don't i don't hit like this look at me no (laughs) i don't i don't yes you do no you've talked me out of it i was trying to talk you into it yeah but you did the wrong way you're like see i've always said if you was fat and bald and looked dumb you'd do a lot better in hollywood (laughs) i just mean you can like yeah because you're maybe you could because like you're you're the show you know the arguments we've had we've had them before like the show is you know Good time, Charlie. That's you. Yeah. Party man. I just, I just look so fucking racist. Like the way <laughs> well, that I, I mean, look. Yeah, there I look is like that. A, yeah. I look like a wife beating fucking pill head racist maniac, dude. And I already <laughs> sound like one. So now when you add this to it, it's like, God damn, like, like 
I don't know, man. Like, at least when I have a backwards hat on, someone might be like, well, he's a young, cool guy, whatever. This looks like, again, like I'm, I was there on January 6th. Like, I've, I believe that, you know, Joe Biden has a lizard soul, all that shit. Yeah, but the, the, but the fatness part don't affect that, I don't think. I feel like. <laughs> Bullshit! No, 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 Bullshit! no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, dude. You're telling me if you see like a ripped, bald white guy? You know, especially if he's got like a beard or something, you don't think it's at least 50-50 that he's like January 60 or something? Yeah, yeah. And But hey, by the way, I, I just realized another thing, and this is how vain I am. Another reason that I'm a little bit more okay with it now uh, than I was before is because I got my teeth fixed uh -huh. and my tooth, you know, my tooth, you know, our, our teeth don't hit. I'm not going to no. sit here and act like your teeth hit either, but my tooth really didn't hit. So like when you have all these facial and body deformities that I have, <laughs> you've got to at least cover one of them up because people can't go look at his tooth. Ooh. And his head, you know what I mean? So I wear a hat, but now that my teeth, I mean, they don't hit hit, but like, I don't have that fucked up tooth here. They're a little bit more straight. They're a little bit more white. I, I feel more confident. Uh, there's two other things comedy adjacent that we've almost touched on along the way that I now want to talk about briefly. I hope it hits for people. I don't know. The whole Tom Segura thing, if people kept up with that, I, my hypothesis or part of it is it's like, I think it's a similar thing that's happened with him Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle, maybe among others, uh, that I'm not thinking of. And they again, got ripped. All three of those dudes, um, long time huge fan of. You know what I mean? It's like I like that. Might, not everything they do might not hit for me anymore. Whatever, but, but they're like, all great. They're but all my great. fandom goes back a long, long, long time with all three of them. And and you yeah, can't right. deny so, that they're not talented individuals who earned their hit, success. Right. right. And I think with all three of them, uh. I think that there's something about a lot of comedians where it's like they cannot stand being told like you can't say something or you can't talk yes. about something or you shouldn't do something. You shouldn't make that joke or whatever, anything like right. that. And these do, especially when you're at that level, when you're that high level of a comedian, especially the, that happens like the fans ego. are telling you, it's like, Hey, I don't think you should joke about that thing. And like, I don't think you should joke about the pores anymore considering right. what's happened to you or whatever. I think that he, he goes, well, Fuck that. Like I'll I, do it more. It, yeah. And then they just double down because it's like, yeah. you know, people don't tell me what I can and can't talk about. It's how a lot of comics feel. And I feel like that's what happened with Dave and trans people. Yep. And it's what happened with Joe, Joe Rogan and vaccines and, and the vaccines during COVID and everything. Shit, I, same thing. It's like they start getting yep. a little bit of pushback and they're like, you don't tell me what to do. And then they double down on it and then they just dig in deeper and deeper. I agree. That's my, that's my theory on I how that works. I agree a hundred percent. And I'll add to that, that, even comedians like you have to in order to pursue and i don't just mean comedy any type of entertainment you have to have a little bit of a self-inflated ego or a bigger sense of self because you have to assert importance on something that actually does not in the grand scheme of things matter right so i.e your opinion on a thing your or, opinion on a thing uh, yeah. you know like people that go like yo no comedians we're philosophers and like yeah, oh right. comedy can say like dude <laughs> shove that up your fucking ass like yeah. shove that up your fucking ass now i'm not saying if you have a big platform and you have opinions that you want to share that you shouldn't be able to do that good good lord imagine us saying that you shouldn't do that you know what i mean yeah. but we are self-flagellating motherfuckers and then 
And that's even base level comics that aren't even that successful. So when you actually get massive success, like all three of those people have, you all of your self biases have been confirmed a hundred thousand times over. You know what I mean? So it, it's not only a challenge; it's not only you're right. They feel like it's their fucking duty to do the thing that people say that you can't do because that's how they got to where they are in the first place by bucking the trends, by going against the status quo, all that bullshit. Um, and also money makes you feel fucking invincible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're on to something. I know this ain't going to hit for you, but I feel like if I don't say it, we'll get emails about it or something. You said self-flagellating in the middle of that? Uh-huh. I think you meant self-flating. Flating, yeah, because flagellation is hitting yourself, is, right? Is, yeah, scourging yeah. yourself. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I know the yeah. difference. I just didn't want to— they, they are close. Yeah. The other comedy we, philosophy we, we, I, well, we do self-flagellate as well, no, for I'm the record. I'm a self-flagellating motherfucker. Yeah, I flagellate For I sure. stay flagellating myself. Me too. Way more than I flagellate myself. Yep. I live to flagellate myself. We, we almost exclusively— shame. Yeah. We right. flagellate ourselves. The only I time sit around we, all goddamn day flagellating myself. Me you know, too. Uh, you and I, yeah. You and I used to have a routine after shows that we crushed where we would go in the room and self-flate. Um, yeah. But it was a brief and fleeting moment that led to the next day even in, an increase in flagellation. You know yeah. what I mean? Because the more, the more, uh, 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 the more. What's the one where you suck your own dick? Flating. The more filleting, uh, the longer you do that, the worse the come down, and thus the flagellation becomes increased. Yes. Y'all, being a part of a royal family might seem enticing, but more often than not, it comes at the expense of everything else, like your freedom, your privacy, and sometimes even your head. Y'all know that if you've been around in the airhead world for a while. We love this stuff. Wondry's new podcast, Even the Royals, pulls back the curtain on royal families, past and present, from all over the world to show you the darker side of what it means to be royalty. From icons like Grace Kelly, Oscar-winning actress termed Princess of Monaco, who the world saw as the ultimate good girl. She mastered playing a happy wife and mother, but beneath it all, she was desperately lonely. Grace spent her whole life working towards perfection, and ultimately, it cost her her happiness. But she's not the only one, Joe. Or King Ludwig II from Bavaria. He was only 18 when his father died, leaving the crown to him and a duty to rule that he never wanted. He refused to lead and used funds from the royal treasury to further his extreme love of opera. But this choice eventually cost him the crown and his life. Follow Even the Royals on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can binge Even the Royals ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. So the other comedy philosophy thing we sort of like touched on along the way, I want to ask, you called us truth tellers, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I'm aware you know, oh, we're heroes, whatever. But I thought you were actually saying, I have uh -oh. thought before. That's you, right? Yeah, yeah sorry. Okay. My sister's That's calling right. me in. They're, I've thought before 
that there are like two two schools of thought in in comedy in terms of of that meaning like i've heard comics say it's like that some of the stuff that happened with like louis ck and people like that for example it's like what sucks about that is like now people think that you know everything like people expect us to only say things that are true basically like you can't just say things you can't just say something anymore that you're just hitting with you're just totally making up or whatever and i've heard comic safe versions like that and i've always been kind of sitting in the corner like sort of being like wait y'all y'all are doing that because i don't really i don't really do that meaning like i don't have a problem with people doing that but like like you said i will exaggerate for comedic effect or whatever but like I'm not going to make I, up a story. I don't make shit up. Yeah, right. I mean, I I, I just, I don't know. I don't make a true don't thing that hit way. harder. I think, yeah, right. I don't think about things that way. But yeah, no, if I, if I say some kind of anecdote or I talk about pretty much anything on stage, there's a healthy element of truth to it. For just the so record, I wish. You come and see me. Like it may be I, exaggerated, but it's not made up. But I'm fine with comics who do make shit me, up. For I wish that I possessed that. I wish, but I just me don't you, do that. Fiction writing is harder. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like right. fiction writing is harder. Like, but again, you know, again, like me and what we'll do is like, we'll be talking about a story that happened between us and our buddy. When in reality, it was an amalgamation of four different buddies, but yeah, right. it makes more, it makes more sense if it's just one conversation. Right. Yeah. So that is making something up, but it's taking little bits of the truth and putting it here. And I'm sure that also like sometimes when we're telling a joke, um, and you know, we're having that funny conversation. Oftentimes, maybe we didn't actually say that thing out loud, but we thought about saying it out loud. You know what I mean? So like, there's yes. still that, there, there's still that Our, kernel, but then you got the a, Hassan Minaj shit where it's like, yep, motherfucker, yep, yep. holy fuck. Right. Well, tell, I mean, elaborate people, all of our fans probably don't, may not know what you're talking about when you say the Hassan Minaj stuff, like he, uh, he, Lied, his, yeah, like his his whole like rise to fame was from this special, and I, I'm hearing this after now. This has all happened, like, and I'm I wasn't someone who was like actively not a Hassan Minaj fan. I just what the only thing I knew about Hassan is that we had a buddy, and I won't say his name just in case you know I don't want to libel anything. We had a buddy who wrote for his show, so naturally I rooted for his success, you know, because I had a buddy that was in his his uh orbit right but i'm not someone that usually actively seeks out like and this is weird a lot of people would think that i would be but like i don't normally seek out political humor for my like entertainment you know what i mean i like your videos i like small doses of stuff but i don't normally like the daily show and and I, john oliver from time to time those are like my last things anywho apparently hassan one of his big breaks was telling this story about how when he was in school, he either a girl like turned him down for prom in like a very public way. And it was because he was a Muslim and like, it was embarrassing, but that built his character and it was a chip on his shoulder or whatever. And it was just showing like all the racism and stuff he's had to face. Turns out that literally never happened. Now let me, before we go on say this, there absolutely is racism towards Muslims and that situation 100% could have happened. But he just, but he makes other, but now that we find out that's not true, that totally gives ammo to all the people going, see, that don't even really ever happen, you know? Right. Also, like, and she's not a public figure, but the girl in the story is real, right? Right. And, but she never did that. just got accused that. of being a racist so it, yeah, publicly. Yeah, right, exactly. And it's like, but they, they will know people, other people went to their high school, people that 
that were mutual friends over people in their communities and stuff are going to know who she is. But of course, those people also are probably going to know that that didn't actually happen. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to mostly think that he is the lunatic in this scenario. But yeah, it's like, I don't, I was about to say, I do feel like it matters what you're making up. I said, I have no problem with a comedian making up shit just for jokes, but I mean, like, I don't know, silly shit or something or like stuff, yes, that, but like, stuff that has, doesn't but, matter, not libeling another like, human being. Right. Stuff that's like heavy and impactful and stuff yes. like that. I don't think that you or make up even I was actually going to tell a story saying this might be part of why I felt this way. Because really early on, and I'm not going to say his name either, even though I mean, nobody knows who he is. It was just a guy that did stand up in Knoxville at the time I started. Uh, he had been doing it. I don't He hadn't been doing it that long either. And he wasn't very good. Uh, but he was uh the guy was from Knoxville, surely not. Right. I was brand new though. And I remember I just started and he was like a staple. He was around a lot. And he had this thing he was doing, and it like never honestly never really worked. But like he'd 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 start, he'd be like, Yeah, my wife is pregnant. And then he'd tell a bunch of like pregnancy jokes or whatever, right? But his wife wasn't pregnant, and then he would say that after doing it all right. Like, so first <laughs> yeah. of all, his jokes weren't that good. good. They didn't really hit. Then once he'd done it, he was like, I'm just fucking you guys. She's not pregnant. Yeah. Not even color or whatever stuff. And, and then everybody would just be sitting there like, Oh, what the so fuck they, was all that then? Right. Like, if they like, hit, it'd be one thing. Right. So it's like the jokes didn't hit anyway, but then that made it weird on top of it. And I remember just sitting back there watching it as a brand new comic and kind of being like, all right, well, don't do that, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whatever the hell that is, don't do yeah. that. Like, like um, number one, uh, do the opposite in that you should be funny. But secondly, a huge, uh, a huge rule here is don't give away the fucking game. You know what right. I mean? Because, and speaking of Houdini, who I'll be talking about later, comedy and magic are like sort of, they have a similar thing, which is the turn. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's a it's a hidden thing. Once it is revealed, I'm not saying you can't enjoy a joke or you can't enjoy a magic trick over and over again. But once it's revealed, then it's like okay, my surprise is gone. But then, but then on the other hand, like if you if you do a, a stand up act and then as soon as you close, you come back on stage and go, now here's what was true about this and here's what was true about you know what I mean? Like fucking, you're, you're you got to suspend disbelief. Right. Yeah, and another example, and I say this, we can move off of comedy stuff in case some people I are love listening. It. Aren't, I, I mean, I do too. I can always write. I mean, any most comedians love to talk comedy shit, and I feel like it's a very mixed bag and whether it hits for people on the other end or not. So, right. But the other thing I'll say, then move on, like you said, it's like, oh, you might have a story that's really about four other dudes, but you made it one dude just for simplicity's sake, or you might just something you thought about saying but didn't say, but in the story you said whatever. I'll attribute things uh, to my uncle that wasn't actually my uncle. It was just a guy. It just funnier if it's my uncle. That too. And but one thing I've done, like it was in my special. If people watch my special, there's a line that always absolutely smashed. I say that Katie said to a coworker of ours in the South, the coworker of ours was talking about a girl who'd had a DUI, and the coworker said, "I'm gonna pray for her." Yeah. And I said that, and I said that Katie responded by saying, "That's crazy. I too am gonna do nothing at all to actually help." Right. Yeah. And uh, I had that line for a long time, and it always smashed. That is a real line. Katie didn't it. say it. I said it. <laughs> of yes. course. Of course. But <laughs> yes. you can't but, tell but an I audience, can't, listen how hard I am. Exactly. Exactly. But I can't yeah. sit up there and be like, listen how much I smashed this chick. Yeah. You know, I've got a, with the, yeah, I've like, got a million of those. Everybody <laughs> yeah, knows. Right. 
Yeah. You on, <laughs> on stage, it, it did happen. Your and, job you know. is to is to show funny, not tell funny. You know what right. I mean? Like like you've got this funny line, but you can't go listen. And and there's comedians that do that. And I love him as a entertainer and all that. But Ricky, Ricky Gervais, Gervais used to have a bit in his act where he would literally just go up there and yeah. read. Uh, tweets that he responded where, to people where he like, oh, owned did, somebody did wrong on that. the internet. Did, yeah, dude. I'm like, I'm like, dude, come on. That was yeah. I can't stand that. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm just not. I'm not going to stand up there and just be like, listen how hard I hit this time. So you got to right. find a way. And Katie also is like, Jesus don't hit for her a either. Godless it's whore. Like, yeah, exactly. It is like spiritually true or whatever. Right. You know, but. Anyway, I was, uh, I, you know, I'm glad we got off on all these tangents because I didn't really have much today because I'm, uh, <laughs> because I've uh, been real busy. I just got back. Um, I mean, I just got back from Al Gore's place, which seems relevant to the show. But oh, the yeah. How'd is, that go? Not all that much happened, but I will, you know, I'll elaborate in a minute. But uh, first, can you see my screen? I sure can. It's loading. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love this. I'm so what? glad you're doing this. You Did you see this already? Yes, but please play okay. it. Okay. Uh, when I start it, say something if you can't hear it. If you can hear it, just be quiet and let it play. Okay. All right. So here it goes. We're very working, working class. Be honest. I, I am being be honest. honest. I am being what honest. What did your dra dad drive you to school in? So my dad. Did, no, my dad. What well, car was it? Uh, it's not a simple answer what because. What car? What did you get your dad to drive? It you depends. To school in? No, 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 no. Okay, what in the eighties, my dad had a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> For those just listening, uh, and that's Victoria Beckham and David Beckham. Yes. And, and l let me tell you, my, fir my first response to that was hilarious. I, my, my sister sent it to me, and she goes, this is your wife, because Amber does that shit. Like, Amber, like, I, they're not fucking loaded by any means, but her dad has done very well for himself. Like, he, he taught school, which was his main job, but, may, you know, for the insurance. And then he built a lot of houses. He also owns a lot of land and stuff like that. And Amber will, and I'm sure she's listening to me pissed, she will constantly just be like, you know, growing up, it was just different, you know, not, not having a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Amber, like, you everything was fine. Like she's yeah. just convinced herself. And I love David Beckham here, which by the way, do you know how fucking pissed off Victoria Beckham is at him right now? Yeah. Well, but my thing with that though, is like, she literally called herself posh spice. Right. Like, like I, I thought the only th the thing that surprised me about that clip when Katie showed it to me, I, it did hit for me, but David Beckham hits for me real hard in it. It's a funny clip and all that shit. But I was kind of surprised because I was like, I, this whole time I thought that was your whole deal. Well, you know now, what granted, I mean? like, like, granted, like, Posh Spice, you're the fancy one. I figured you'd like, you'd be like a wrestling character bragging about your daddy's role, role, right. Rolls Royce or something. That's what I thought. That's how I thought you'd be. You, like, I was surprised she was cared enough to lie about it. That's you know? true. But, but the, back in the boy girl, boy group, boy, oh my God. Uh, boy group, girl group type thing. You know, a lot of people were playing characters like Baby Spice was not actually a baby. Scary Spice, <laughs> yeah, right. Scary Spice. I didn't find that. She's only, they said that because she's black. I mean, let's yeah, face it. Like she it was is, Scary yeah. Spice because when she went into, you know, fucking, I don't know, the the brummy part, they were like, oh, a dorky, you yeah. know? So that's why yeah. she's Scary Spice. 
<laughs> so like I get, you know, they wanted they're like, we need one that's Bro, more like a I need to cut in real quick because I want to tell you that I was sitting here trying to think of a line to do in a in a stupid British accent that was racist, and yeah. I was saying it's like, what do they call? Obviously, I'm not going to say the n word. They don't use n word. What do they call them? And I, and I was like, I think they say darky a lot. And then I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm going to say that, that. And while I was thinking that, you, you, in the middle of me thinking that, might go, I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, All right, it well. wasn't me was saying like, well, it. it goes. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, but it's not me saying it. It's someone looking at Scary Spice, which because again, dude, now like think about that for a second. She didn't dress up as like a ghoul or nothing like that. Like she just looked like a regular person, but she was scary spice it has to be that oh dude a hundred percent yeah and they've got there's another they've got another word i think over there that we don't have at all here yeah have you ever heard i mean this is like a horrific slur over there but i'm american and it's not here right. Do you know the word wog no well yeah i hadn't either but that is yeah, it an acronym like how wop is an acronym no i think it's it's a short it's a shortened name for a, like a type of doll like remember those little uh God, we're using so many problematic words. You remember uh, uh, Pickaninnies? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, the little racist, like, little black girl dolls or whatever. Yeah. They had those in the UK, too. But over there, they were called Wog or something, Wog or something. And so, I don't know. I could be wrong about all this. But I think that that's where it comes from. But, yeah, that's like another version of the M-word that they use over there. But I I would be fine. If I use that, nobody would know it. Sure. I'd be fine doing an episode, by the way, where we just talk about slurs from different parts of Europe. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding, everybody. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely kidding. But I, it is interesting, you know, how like you could say something, you, you could go loudly in this country, say a thing that is horrifically offensive somewhere else, and no one here knows what the fuck you're talking about. But I feel like, the N-word transcends all that. Like, everyone knows that one. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, I think they're at least aware of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it was a, go- a gollywog, often shortened okay. to golly or wog, was a type of rag doll that was, like, horrifically racist ah. and popular in uh, Britain and Australia. Um, it says they had them over here, too, but, uh, you know. I don't know if they were able to penetrate the already saturated <laughs> racism market <laughs> in America <laughs> when those came out. We uh, have we they, like our racism broke, like we like broke our fat. The noise. But yeah. <laughs> you were saying about you know she wasn't baby spice wasn't a baby scary wasn't scary yada yada. But to be fair, posh spice has been around and present in the media as posh spice for way longer than oh just yeah she's girls. the most and famous and she's always been super fancy and posh looking like even way after the band was over or whatever she was out in public being all fancy pantsy and shit and people were calling her posh spice and stuff so everyone in hollywood regard likes to they want to present themselves as they worked really hard to get absolutely at where the same they are thing, I, I mean i think Again, and she probably did, but you know, right? What's like Tom Segura works super hard too, like without a doubt. But like his dad was the vice president of Merrill Lynch. You don't hear him talk about that. I mean, he'll he doesn't act like they grew up poor, but he definitely doesn't like own up to 
being like essentially a trust fund kid or whatever. Nick Kroll's I mean? the only one that does. I'd, I'd say Nick, yeah, Nick Kroll kind of is the only one that owns it. Yeah, because I've because I've been fucking with Segura for a long time and listening to his shit for a long time, and I've heard him talk about his dad and all this stuff, and it's like you know he's not because it's the same way with like uh, it's the same way with like uh super super gifted just genetically gifted athletes or adonises right like people that just have these incredible genes and just look like fucking greek gods or whatever especially like when it comes to just fitness being fat or not that is in part at least up to the person still your genetics play a role but in terms of your face and whatnot you know you're just fucking born with that or whatnot and a lot of people that look great they will not they don't want to acknowledge the role that like genetics plays in it yeah. or whatever like, they're like no we, you got to work your, this is hard work and dedication it's like i'm sure it might be but that's not all me, you can me, also acknowledge me. that you had a leg up and people with rich parents are exactly the same way yeah Nepo babies and rich kids are exactly the same way B- yeah, born on third claiming they hit a triple and yes. like and it, like for instance me and you could do the exact same workout as brad pitt but right. our face ain't going to be Brad Pitt's face. Like, you're right. just born gorgeous. But my thing on it has always been, like, I just feel like if those people were honest and would say, hey, by the way, it is I, – I had all the advantages in the world, and I am so thankful. And there's a lot of people that don't have those advantages in the world. Now, granted, I still had to work hard. I still had to show up. Bryce, how, <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard, Dallas Howard for Howard, example. Yeah. I think she's very fucking talented. I mm. do. I 100% do. But she made this long fucking post about how, like, the way I was able to break into the business was, like, networking and workshopping and, and creating my own space and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, and my dad is literally one of one in Hollywood, one of the most legendary, iconic, two separate television shows he's iconic for, and one of the greatest director and producers of all fucking time. Like, why are you acting like that didn't at all help? Right. Yeah. I mean, cause it's just, people feel like it, like, I don't know. Devalues them. It devalues them. Yeah, exactly. By acknowledging it. It's like, no, you, you do hit at what you do. It's just, it pisses people off when you don't acknowledge <laughs> the leg up you had or whatever. But yeah, right. everybody wants to seem like they come from humble beginnings. David Beckham really hit for me in that clip. I don't know his back. Is he like? Is he from a working class background? Do you Who know? knows? Like, I mean, he's super. He's so pretty. Can that go either way. You that's know? true. But like, he's so good looking that you're like, right. his parents yeah. had to be good looking, and good looking people usually have money because they right. fuck someone with money. Yeah, it's true. Yes, yeah, so us uh, us poors are normally uh, aesthetically appealing people. Um, yeah. Right. Because you can yeah, only fuck I other definitely ugly would have people. Assumed he was, you know, because like, um, yeah, I mean, athletes. Again, athlete, a great athlete can come from anywhere. And soccer but, is but too. still, yeah, soccer. You know, kids play with balls of trash in the favelas yes. and shit, and go on like, to the Premier League and sports, stuff. Yeah, there's certain sports where like having money does give you a huge leg up. I mean, haven't listen. Having money is always going to give you a leg up in anything, but like. Like golf, for instance, you you can almost assume that if someone's a really good golfer that they grew up with money. It's not always the case. Sebi Ballesteros was poor. But in soccer, bro, I mean, there's literally people that come from nothing because it's the simplest game. You just got to kick a ball into a thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just, I, Katie showed me that clip and I thought it was, you know, perfectly on brand for this show and we'd, uh, 
we'd watch and enjoy it. And that is what we've done. And since I know you've got a tremendous amount on Houdini and we're like, whatever, roughly halfway into the episode, I feel like you go ahead and take over. Listen, guys, cold turkey might be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits, though. And I'm not talking about some weird frou-frou mind voodoo stuff from your crazy candle-loving neighbor. Not talking about crystals or chakras or cheese or any of that stuff. Not talking about the moon or mercury or whatever retrograde is. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. And they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong, so instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is always helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. Cho, tell them about it. Boy, you were correct. Fume, good. I've always said it. It does taste great. I love it. I'm, I'm particular to the orange one because I'm a citrusy type person, but it's great. I've said many times on here, it's like, why just have regular oxygen when you can have like uh, oxygen 2.0, you know, orange flavored oxygen. It also is a very cool little thing to fidget with as someone who... um you know, has a brain that's scattered sometimes when I, I can I can calm myself down by fidgeting with this thing. It looks really, really cool. Looks like a teeny tiny model baseball bat if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're weird like me. It's beautiful. Real wood. Looks like uh the looks like the dashboards of all my favorite rappers' cars when I was coming up. Good good stuff. Fume good. Stopping is something that we all put off because it's hard. But switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. It's a blast. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code POA to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code POA to save an additional 10% off your order today trifume.com slash poa code poa it's good not bad That's fine by me. Uh, yeah, because like I said, this was going to be a two or three parter regardless of how long we went. And I'm excited for that because I still have much to learn. And uh, frankly, I mean, what, what all did you know about Houdini before I brought him up? Boilerplate es stuff. Escape artist. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some stuff about some of the escapes he did. I've seen like some of the old posters for like promoting his escapes. I know he was a big deal. And I know that he got 
uh, spoiler alert, he died by getting punched in the gut weirdly yeah. or something like that, which uh, I don't hit. And there's probably, I'm sure there's other little Houdini factoids that I've picked up along the way that I'm not calling to mind right now, but certainly not an expert. Yeah, me either. I mean, he, but he's one of the, he's ubiquitous as a, yes. as an, he's just one of those that like, you're almost surprised to find out that you don't actually know anything about them because you've known about them your whole life. They've just been around like Houdini's like Coca-Cola. I, and I'm going to say this and feel free to disagree with me, but I'm going to say that in his genre, I mean, Houdini is like, he's like Shakespeare level for magic and that type of thing. Like in terms of being a legend and being synonymous with the craft, like, wouldn't you agree In the world of magic and, I mean, yeah, I guess just magic, illusion-isms, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm not suggesting he's um, as popular as Shakespeare. That's well, not okay, what well, that, All right, well, that's what I was about to say, yeah. In the in the world of magic, yeah, he's definitely the closest thing they have to Shakespeare, but I, but generally speaking, I don't think he's quite on Shakespeare's level just because no, Shakespeare because is, nobody is. Yeah, right. But I guess my point is, like, when someone— if But did someone, he do magic? Like— he yes. was, was he, he did, okay, because see, that's another thing I was never clear on, was he more of a, like, like an escape artist specifically, and didn't well, yeah. do, like, tricks, like, fucking top hat, rabbit, dove, cage, shit like that, like, he just does more like David Blaine stuff, and when he started locking himself in ice cubes and shit. Yeah, we'll get into all that, but that is what separated him. But he definitely started off as, like, I want to be a standard magician, and then he sort of just, like, found out that he possessed these skills that m made it easy for him to escape from things one of such uh spoiler is his ability to dislocate his shoulder on command yeah, yeah. Uh, which is wild but i guess what i was trying to say earlier is like um you know if someone like if if someone break at a, is at a party and they they give a speech like a and they like a soliloquy or something somebody be like oh billy shakespeare over here if someone's really smart you go oh fucking einstein and i feel like if somebody does something magical or impressive they're like god damn houdini he's one yeah. of those like he's the standard bearer for an entire genre you know what i mean yes i agree so the reason that I wanted to talk about Houdini, I actually have been reading extensively about uh, the Kennedy family. I've been reading like all the books on Camelot and the House of Kennedy and stuff because I really want to get into Joe Kennedy and how I and, and I'm sure you'll agree with me. I consider like Jackie and uh, and Jack are probably as close as we had to like a royal family seeming for president. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they were, they, they seem more royal than anything, but that's going to be put on the back burner because this weekend I was in your neck of the woods, Los Angeles, our good buddy, friend of the show, W Earl Brown, his daughter, Anna got married and it was at the Houdini mansion. And I'm fucking, you know, I don't like to do stuff at all. I don't, I don't even go to weddings that are two streets down, but number one, I love Earl. I love Anna. And number two, I saw Houdini mansion and I'm like, Holy fuck, I got to do this shit. Uh, and it was, and it was obviously wonderful. It's in Laurel Canyon. Um, I quick note here. I did talk about this on well-read, but just in case these people don't listen to that, my favorite thing that happened. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to discuss Houdini further, my wife pumped her titties, um, in Houdini's living room. And I uh, took a cap of mushroom and washed it down with that titty milk in Houdini's living room. So, like, I really got to be a part of of history, 
You know, it felt magical in that moment. This you talk about a palatial estate, man. And apparently this um, place, it's in Laurel Canyon. And apparently like Houdini sort of started Laurel Canyon. Like there was there wasn't nothing there. Like it was just, you know, a canyon. And then he put this big fucking house there. And dude, it is unbelievable. And I don't there's so much about Houdini that we'll talk about that people don't know if it's true or if he just made it up because one of his big philosophies was he said no matter how you cut it a magician is a liar you know what i mean a magician is a liar so he would just make shit up all the time but but they did so there was a rumor that he had a secret tunnel at his house that he would use to get into the city unnoticed or to meet his mistresses and stuff and it was people were like oh that's that's bullshit well one of the tour guides showed me the fucking tunnel. Like it's there, it's, it's there. And it's very discreetly located within these bushes and stuff. And I mean, it's, this house is a, um, I mean, it's, it's like Dragonstone, dude. Like it's unbelievable. That I never knew really how much money he had. So obviously exactly. he was, me too. Right. Cause, because I thought, I don't know what I thought. Was he in movies and shit? Like he he was interested. So he and the reason that I kind of want to talk about vaudeville for a second. He uh, what? I, well, because I just like where does the money come from? I always thought it's like most of what I ever heard about Houdini was like public. He went stunts. to this bridge. He put himself yes. in a straitjacket, dangled yes. off the bridge. All of the public came and the women fainted and all this shit. And he fucking you know and he somehow got out of it at the last second. And I've always thought it's like well how do you make money off that like you're not charging t they're like publicity stunts yes but I'm publicity skipping. for what is, is he then selling out arenas Did yes they do I, that back then yeah, like, yes i'm i'm skipping i'm skipping ahead a little bit but i'm glad that you brought that up because i was the same way like when i heard houdini mansion i was like i knew this guy hit but like i didn't know that he was able to monetize right doing these public things but it's the same thing as like david blaine like when he does the stuff in Times Squares, anybody can see it, but then he'll be in Vegas on a on a, a, a residency. And so Houdini did the same thing. All of these things that he did was because he couldn't – he didn't want to take out – he knew he's like, I don't want to spend money to take out ads in the paper. So what he would do – was he would just go to town and tell all these reporters that he was doing this fucking wild shit and they would be compelled to write about it because it's insane, right? And um, and that's how he got publicity so that he could then sell out the vaudeville theaters and stuff. He also he also used that fame to he he was he was sort of like um Beethoven and Mozart in the sense that he was often commissioned to perform for the Royals. And that's a really big fucking paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like they would give Houdini probably the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars now just to come escape from a straight jacket at some duchess's fucking birthday party. Yeah. But I mean, also but he was having to like take a fucking boat over there. Wasn't he? Or like, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Like born it's a in the huge 1800s. time commitment for him to do that one show back then. I was just thinking like logistically, I was, I was going to say, it's like, dude, imagine like working the road back then, you know dude. what I mean? Like just the logistics of it, knowing where the hell you are, how to get to anywhere, the fucking, the, they, we didn't have interstates yet or nothing like fucking airport. There's no infrastructure. I mean, there is infrastructure, but not like there is today. Like finding a way to get the word out and sell tickets and fill up the room and all this shit. That's just like, it's a wild thing to think about 
Yeah, and let's stay here for a minute because what you're talking about is the vaudeville circuit or, um, you know, we talked about minstrel shows and stuff earlier. For African-Americans, it was the Chitlin circuit. They would have to do the lower-tiered theaters and stuff like that. But, yeah, man, like vaudeville was a whole different beast. And, you know, when you became somebody like Houdini, you were then the marquee you know, entertainment for vaudeville. And eventually you're going to break out to doing your own, you know, personal shows. But like he gets his start doing, you know, vaudeville stuff. Him and his brother actually started together as a team. They were the Houdinis and uh, the name Houdini. This is not like, that's not his name at all. He was born Eric Weiss um, in, in Budapest, Hungary. He gets Houdini because he, uh, number one, they changed their names because of Jew reasons. And uh, they, his favorite book when he was a kid was The Great Howden, spelled H O U D I N, uh, who was like this magician from like the late 1700s or some shit. And so they became the Houdini brothers and they would basically do street magic. You know, they would be, they would have their corner and they were pulling rabbits out of hats. They were making quarters appear from behind people's uh, ears and they would have their, you know, their little newsboy hats down there and they would, you know, people would give them, you know, quarters and stuff like that. They'd take it home for their mother uh, who was very, you know, very poor. But yeah, in the, so in vaudeville, Basically, how it works is, uh, if you don't know what the vaudeville area is, it's vaudeville, uh, I believe, what is it? It comes from the French word vaudeville, uh, referring to the songs of the vaudeville region uh, of France. It's It's a variety show, you know? So Saturday Night Live sort of has roots in vaudeville a little bit because... It wouldn't just be like you would have a singer, you would have a dancer, you would have a juggler, you would have a magician, you would have a tandem, Abbott and Costello. This is where they got their start, you know? And yeah, dude, the circuit. Yeah. And, they, and also people may not realize like you'd have all these different acts and all these acts were replicated all around the country and yes. and everything was fine. Like you'd have, like you said, you'd have a duo and it's like, you know, fat guy, skinny guy duo. Right. Right. Abbott and Costello, they hit real hard, whatever, Laurel and Hardy, but like. There were tons of those, yes. and a lot, and a lot of them were doing the same exact routines all around the country, you know, on the same nights or whatever, because people like just took other people's acts and stuff back then, like it was like common practice. So you'd have that, and then you'd have maybe a, like a like a kid act or something. You know what I mean? Like you got some that uses kids or something like that. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or a monkey, a monkey yeah. act. You know, monkeys like, were what, huge. Yeah, right. I know. That's what I'm saying. They had all this shit, but. In each genre of vaudeville act, there were tons of performers who did literally the exact the same stealing, yeah. thing. And, and yeah, it wasn't right. even considered like stealing no, back then. It was then. like standard practice. It was like that's yeah. just what you do, which yeah. has always been wild to me. It's super wild. I think I think and I could be wrong. I'm this is just going off of memory, but like sometimes they were they were referred to as like trunk shows because yes, a, yeah. an act an act would have a trunk that literally had all their shit in it and these people would like sell trunks like, "Oh, do you want to be a vaudeville act? Here's your trunk. It's got right. all the shit in it, right?" And so they would like this person would be like, "I'm, you know, I'm in New York. I'm doing this act, then we'll travel, we'll do the same act." 
And like you would try to communicate with all these people of like, hey, when you were in Milwaukee last, did you which which act did you do? Did you do this one? And they're like, yeah, okay, fuck, I'll I'll do this one. And there's like a separate script or whatever. There's files of jokes and stuff like that. And this predates stand up comedy as we know it. But there would be MCs who would go up there and kind of tell jokes and stuff like that. And during these days, you had to have like all your material like worked out ahead of time so that it could be accredited by like whatever the FCC was of the day and shit like that. Because vaudeville was was supposed to be a clean show. If you want dirty stuff, you go to do burlesque. And this is actually where the term working blue came from. Did you know this? Maybe. I've probably heard it from Cliff Nesteroff before or something. But Yes. A lot of this is me remembering Cliff stuff. So, by the way, if you want, in my opinion, the greatest book on comedy that has ever been written, and it's not even close, The Comedians by Cliff Nesterhoff is an absolute must. It is tremendous. And also, I'll plug him. He's got a new book out that I can't I can't remember the title of it, but I love the concept. Um, he's basically, it's about cancel culture, but he's coming at it from the point of, like, this is nothing new. And, like, he shares all these clips uh newspaper clips from like the 20s and 30s of like uproars over comedians jokes and stuff like that right. we're like basically th- nothing is new it's just that we have twitter now thank you very much which we've been saying for years um anyways uh working blue was they would have these files of jokes or whatever and they would have them written down and if one of them was too risque the manager of the theater would literally put it in a blue folder right he'd put it in a blue folder so if you did those jokes, you were working blue that that in which like me and you, we we be working blue like, you know, I don't consider us filthy comedians, but we blue. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, for sure. Anywho. Um, yeah, like I, I, I've thought about that a million times, too. Like they would have to do most of it by train. You know what I mean? Like we, me and you, comp- me and you talk about like how wild it must have been in the '90s before GPS. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. And even like even before that, because like I remember the MapQuest days, where like, and that was that was like a huge advantage. But you'd have to print them out, and like yeah. if you missed an exit, you're fucked, right? Well, dude, these people are solely relying on trains running on time them not getting mugged them just being able to get off the train and uh expect a wino to be able to point them in the right direction of wherever the fucking theater was it's it's crazy it is crazy so anyways that's 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 vaudeville and that's where houdini sort of gets uh like his you know, kind of start as many people did back then. But like you were, you asked him earlier, he did, um, the vaudeville scene was like, that's what entertainment was in America. And the downfall of vaudeville was uh, not only radio, which radio had a lot to do with it at start because people were like, it's similar to kind of what happened with the pandemic and podcast. People were like, wait, I don't have to go out to be entertained anymore. I can be entertained in my own home. Okay. And then when movies came along, it was like, well, dude, this is over. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And then when the movie, the silent movie, now I'll say this, a lot of the vaudeville people actually found great success in the silent movies because the silent movies were all visible gags. You know, they were just like pratfalls, all this type of shit. And like Fatty Arbuckle, he was a vaudeville man, wasn't he? Fatty Arbuckle was is probably one of the hitness fats to ever fall. 
Yes. Um, me and 100%. you have talked a million times about how, you know, I genuinely believe I was born a hundred years too, too late. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to say like, dude, I, you know, I mean, you, you're not that fat, but then I was like, but 1900s though, I'd be you know fat I mean? as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like everybody was fucking rail thin back then. You, but, uh, you ever like watched any of Fatty Arbuckle shit? Yeah. It's like still it's impressive it's in great. my opinion. Like he, yes. he does all these tricks. There's one where he's like chopping meat up in a butcher shop or something. And he's like flipping the knife around and it all, you know, like fucking pins his apron to the table, whatever. All just all this like slapsticky stuff. But it's like, you know, not easy to do. No, you know? like the choreography. That they had nothing in the way of special effects or anything like that back then it's like you know like you're saying it and you're like he just did all of this yes and this shit I, wouldn't was not easy to do you know it's right. like it's still kind of impressive dude it's it's insanely impressive and like that's why like i've i don't i don't did i do an episode on charlie chaplin yet because i want to i don't think um, so Char, so the the i i maintain and i'm i'm including the silent ones too like uh modern times is a, is uh, they had a little bit of talking in it but it was dubbed over it's mainly a silent film but a lot of charlie chaplin and all these movies in my opinion hold up because the humor is not references it's slapstick and it's physical comedy and physical comedy that will be as funny as it was then as it is now and in 400 years when you get into like you know like the movie super bad we all love it but i'm certain in 200 years nobody will understand the references the comedic references they're making so it loses a little bit of its intrinsic value whereas fat guy falling off of a ladder yeah. is fucking timeless and great and yeah like a lot of these dudes uh like wc fields got his start in vaudeville like i said charlie chaplin buster keaton the marx brothers may west like all these people started doing vaudeville and their careers really translated to the silent films now then the talkies come in and you've got some of these people who unfortunately not only did they have annoying voices <laughs> that it just yeah. didn't work but also their style they had grown up and they were ingrained in i need to be i need the person in the last row to hear me as easily as the person in the front row so they had no concept of being mic'd up or how to be subtle everything was fucking huge right 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 so anyways that's vaudeville uh but now we will before we wrap up i, I will talk about uh, the early life of harry Houdini, like I said, Harry Houdini, born Eric Weiss. He's born in 1874 in Budapest, Hungary. His name was originally Eric. Uh, the, the family spelling was uh, E-H-R-I-C-H, Weiss. But then they immigrated to the U.S. and he took on the stage name, uh, like I said, Harry Houdini, inspired by French magician Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin. Where do you think that, that they, that, like I said, they come from... Uh, Budapest, Hungary. Where do you think that they immigrated to in America? I actually, I actually do know this a hundred percent because of because course I, you do. I was just, uh, I was just there not that long ago. I've been there twice now. You were supposed to be with me the first time, and I'm just remembering now that you didn't come. I had so, a mental breakdown. Yes, which is, and that's fine. But I, I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, he was there too, but no, you weren't there. I and wasn't. then since then, I've been back, and both times you'll be utterly unsurprised to hear they. They're pretty proud of it. They've got it plastered all over the place there. Yeah. And both times I've been like, wait, what? Oh, that's wild. So I happen to know because of all that, that he's from Appleton, Wisconsin. That's where yes. 
That's where his family went to. Yes. And he in is, Appleton, they've got a lot of shit named after Houdini. They've got his face up on a lot of stuff. Stuff which I mean, you know, I don't blame them. They're not yeah. they ain't got a lot else to hang their hats on in Appleton, which is a lovely town for the record. Right. Well, they yeah, I'm sure it is. I've never been because, like I said, I had a fucking uh, mental breakdown. Uh, but I just thought it was odd. Like, that's a weird place, in my opinion, for them to have migrated. Now, he, his father uh, was a rabbi. They were of the Jewish faith, uh, something that obviously Houdini didn't um, sort of yell about all the time because of just how Jews have and still are, unfortunately, treated uh it's very it's so wild because like when and we don't have to get into no like deep jewish stuff but <laughs> but like how we are the two to do it though for sure so i agree go. if it is true that jews run hollywood how did they ever acquire this power because for a long time if you were Jewish and in Hollywood, you had to pretend that you were not Jewish. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think the way that they would explain that away is, as with all things with the Jews, Covert. they do it in secrecy. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> they're sneaky, Joe. In the shadows. <laughs> they're sneaky in the shadow. Right. So they're pulling the strings running Hollywood. But like to have success in the theaters, have people pay to see you as an actor or whatever – you gotta have. You gotta hide the fact that you're of Jewish descent. You gotta change your name to Cruz, or right. you know, or or whatever else, uh, to get the mainstream audiences to come out. But in secret, you're pushing all the Jew buttons and making all the the Jew money and stuff. Okay, is what I, they would tell you. I well, I was believe. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> if if I may speak in hypothetics here, um. That does make sense. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, that does seem very much like what it is. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look, we like uh, we don't know what it's like to be a group of people who literally have to work in secrecy. And I'm not fucking saying that like they're Jews secret government or whatever. But like, we don't know what it's like for a people to try to get ahead. Uh, when they have such a severe disadvantage. But anyways, I just found that interesting. His father was a rabbi uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, but it didn't work out because his father just never learned English. Like he just came over there for some reason thinking that if he was speaking yeah. Hungarian, that they that the, that the word of God would translate for him somehow. That is hilariously stupid. It's like, so stupid. Even, even for like a God person, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a, like a hardcore God person. That is so, so dumb to actually believe that. <laughs> and, I, and I agree. And I don't know how much of uh, this particular part of it is true uh, because I did just watch. And by the way, I'm going to recommend this to everybody. Did you know that Adrian Brody played Houdini in a two-part uh, little miniseries? No. On what? I don't even know on what. I just bought it on Apple TV because that's where it was. This was back in like 2014 he did it. And it's fucking Awesome. Now, because of it, I found out I was like, "Oh, that's not actually true. That's Houdini the myth, not the you know, legend or whatever." But it's it's really awesome, and it's almost shot a little bit darker, I'd say, but kind of like how Guy Ritchie did Sherlock Holmes. You know, like it's a uh, it's very fucking entertaining. And in in the movie, you know, basically they they make it seem like this these these Jews from the synagogue come to him one day, and they're like, "Look." you don't get to be our rabbi no more on account of you don't speak English and people over here speak English. And like, 
in the movie they portray it as he's just completely blown the fuck away that that would be, you know, a criteria for yeah. communicating <laughs> with people as your job. I'm not understanding how any of that, like what was going on with his dad? Is that like, that's uh, I get like, I mean, I, you know, it's been a hotly debated thing in this country for a long time, you know, moved to this country, speak the fucking language, right? right? Like that whole thing. And it's like, depending on what you're doing, you don't, I don't have to really care what language you speak no. generally, but, but like, if you're coming over here with the express purpose of like shepherding a flock of English speakers, like yeah. your whole job is like communicating, communicating the word of God to a group of like-minded believers who do yeah. not speak your language. Like what the fuck do you think is going to happen? Like, how do you think that's going to work? It's so, I'm so, so glad. Dumb. I'm so glad to hear you say that out loud because that is exactly how I feel about that. Well, it'd, very be like, it'd be like a Mexican comic moving up here to and LA. Just Actually, it, right. you know what? No, because that would even make more because that dude could hit in LA. Right. It'd be like LA. a Mexican comic moving to Atlanta right. and trying to do trying to start doing stand up in Atlanta with no English whatsoever, just pure Spanish. Even that we got a lot of Spanish speakers in this country. It'd we be do like a we Hungarian do. comic. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hungary. But no, I don't still, know why I'm making it Mexican. You'll be well, a Hungarian because that's, comic. Because that's how know. we deal with it in this country. Like the most right. when you when you hear someone say you've moved to this country, speak the language, we're mainly go like people here are very upset, like, why do I gotta press two for English? Fuck that. Which by the way, never in a million like they always say they go, it don't even say press one for English, it says press one for Spanish, press two for English. That has never happened. It is yeah. always fucking press two for Spanish. I've never fucking heard English not be the main one. That is such complete made up horseshit. But if also, it, if it is press one for it Spanish, was, it's just if it is press one for Spanish, it's or stay on the line because yes, the default is the, English. The default is right. English, yeah, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. right. But yeah. even if that weren't the case, it's such a stupid thing to give a fuck about. But I'm with. But and I where I will agree with those people, and it's what you said. If, however. You come here and you try to have a job in communications, yeah. then yeah, it probably would suit you well to speak English. Like I would never, I would never move to goddamn France and just right. assume that I could keep speaking English and hit over there. Like as a comedian, you probably could because there's a lot of expats and stuff. Yeah. But like, I'm not gonna go over there and like work for a French call center and just be like, eh. Here you go. Yeah. Sorry that I went call center, but everybody fucking knows why I went call center. Yeah. I mean, Any, it's a good good example, I feel like, because, you yeah. know. Communication. Uh, anyways, his dad, so there's, a, I'm, I'm mentioning this about his dad, and there's a lot of, like, sort of mystery between the Houdini's relationship with his dad, because there's part of people who feel like, you know, the, obviously, this made their family poor. It's not like a rabbi makes a. Well, actually, I don't know how much money a rabbi makes nowadays. Like, if you're, you know, a preacher can make a pretty damn good living unless you're like a tiny country preacher. But I'd, but the thing is, even if you're a tiny country preach, preacher, if you have 300 people who you can convince that God wants them, you to give them all your money, you can make a fuck and you don't have to pay taxes. Um, yeah. But because the he's not them fun, fun, ain't the touched a, ain't put ain't a, a doorknob on that, on that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> 
for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, that is a Steve Harvey bit, and it is, in my opinion, one of the funniest and truest bits that has ever been uh, from the kings of comedy, if you want to go. Possibly, yes. uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to say that's on the Mount Rushmore of sets. Yeah. Uh, of, of of just a one person. Actually, you know what? Everybody involved yeah. in that tour right. had had arguments for the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> right. Just like Bernie Mac, unbelievable. Bernie Cedric, Mac, oh my yeah. God. Like it's it it might be the funniest stand-up special that has ever been put out. It's hard to beat. Yeah. No, I've buddy, it's absolute flames, dog. Yeah. And Steve Harvey, his bits in it, but also like his in-between shit is the MC. It's unreal. It's oh, a master class. That, that dude leaves his jacket in the seat or whatever, and he gives him hell for it or whatever, and he's like, what is it would you say that you do? You know, and he's like, yeah. uh, what's, he's like school. He's like, what kind of school? Compu- computer, computer school. school. <laughs> you say stuff like that, but boogie, that just lets us know <laughs> what you further, lets us further know what it is you, ri- you really co- do. It's like, what do you learn at computer school? Computer technology. Computer technology. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so then he just calls funny. him out for being a drug dealer drug in dealer, front of his yeah. girlfriend it's so oh, funny oh god anyways um this obviously landed uh the the houdini or the weiss family uh not, not in the literal poorhouse, but like they didn't have a lot of money and there's a lot of people that speculate that like houdini was a you know maybe ashamed of his father because cl- clearly houdini had a lot of drive you know this would this would inspire him to get good at magic so that he could bring his mother coins and and try to help provide for the family but also there was this thing and i and i know and it was in the show but while i was watching it i was like i'm gonna before i just say this as fact i'm definitely gonna need to do further research on it because in the show houdini is explaining that the reason that they immigrated to america in the first place is because his father took sort some sort of religious and moral stand um, against one of the princes of Hungary and stabbed him in a sword fight. Right. I'm starting to think who Danny's dad was a fucking dumbass dude. Yes, like, he, I like agree. He, yeah, yeah. It's something that needs to get out of his own way. God damn, you can't go around stabbing princes and not learning English and expect well, things to just happen. work out. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, that, that didn't happen at all. But they just made w- that up for the show. Houdini himself made that up because oh. it was part of the illusion and they put it in the show, but don't necessarily now I'm, I've still got a couple minutes left. They don't really say that Houdini made it up, but I think well, from what I've noticed in the show and from what I've read, what they're doing with the show is presenting the real stuff of Houdini, but also the mythology as if it was, it's coming from Houdini's point of view. You know what I'm saying? So like in Houdini's world, this, did happen it's sort of like the um the elton john biopic you know where elton john said because he had a large hand in it he's like absolutely a lot of this isn't true but you have to understand that the point of this biopic is that i was on drugs the whole time so the so this biopic should look like a person's remembrance of them being on drugs and everything running together you know what i mean yeah we got a recurring theme in this episode about like uh embellishment for artistic purposes or whatever and what and I'm uh, for it. yeah yeah generally it depends you know like i said yeah. that stuff that old uh Hussin was doing you know if if you're if 
when we're talking about moral stuff, and again, as I've said, if you libel somebody, then that's also not... like if you use a lie to give yourself like a credibility, stance, oh, so, yeah, uh, some Steve sort of like Steve Steve right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like you use a lie to give yourself some <clears throat> sort of like superiority or moral <clears throat> high ground or like a you know what I mean, like a leg to stand on and like a moral argument or something. Right. That ain't it. You no. Know? Like, I'm, not, is, I'm not down with that. That's very much not it. Uh, so he starts doing the magic when he's young, and then at nine years old, he joins the circus as a trapeze artist, which is pretty fucking, like, that's pretty impressive. Like, I feel yeah. like trapeze takes a lot of time to hit at, and he's already doing it at nine. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, but that's how a lot of those types of things are. It's like, they, you know what I mean? Born a lot of circus-y it. type shit. Yeah, they all started when they're like young kids, you know. Yeah, it kind of sort of makes sense if you got trapeze <clears throat> shit around because kids are like little fucking monkeys. They love mm-hmm. swinging around on stuff and They'll shit like that. They'll get good at it so if you, you let got them. like a trapeze setup and you throw a kid at it. <clears throat> they'll probably fuck around with it quite a bit. I would imagine. That's long as they don't great... break their neck. But I'm sure back then, tons of them broke their neck and they were just like, "Oh well, oh, let's well, name the next one." You know, luckily, we had twelve. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. He starts doing the trapeze stuff at nine, and then when he gets a little bit older, him and his brother, I don't know if you know this, uh, they were his brother was also a magician and actually a pretty well-respected, you know, magician, um, but obviously paled in comparison. Like, it's similar to how, like, you know, Kevin Farley has a stand-up career. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's Gallagher very fun. Gallagher, too. Gallagher, um, yeah, but, but like, and it's it's unfortunate because Kevin Farley is is really goddamn funny. It's just that your fucking brother is Chris Farley. Well, his Brian brother. Reagan's brother is a road dog, too, right? Accurate. Neil Brennan's brother, uh, Kevin. Yep, yep. Uh, there's mm-hmm. there, Chris Rock's entire family. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's True just that. like one of, them, one of them's going to hit harder and they're the, all the weigh-ins, you know. Um, uh-huh. But anyways, they they started out together as a tandem, and his brother was older, so, like, he was the magician and Harry was the assistant. But, like, pretty soon it was just, like, you could you could not deny how hard Harry Houdini hit, and these roles were reversed. Now, something I want to get into before we close out here, because I don't know if I'll get to it next episode. Him and his brother, there was always rumors that they hated each other um, because Harry, uh, he works with his brother, right? And they were always partners. Well, Harry then gets married to Wilhelmina Bess Rainier, uh, and then she becomes his onstage assistant. He replaces her with his brother, and his reasoning was is that she fit in a trunk better. Um, yeah. <laughs> the specific trunk that he had. And she would actually, they, they got married after only two weeks of knowing each other. Like they met, uh, Houdini was performing with his brother at Coney Island. And she was part of this like dancing act called the Floral Sisters. And like he sees her and is like, oh my God, she's beautiful. He does some magic tricks I'm, for her. And I got to put her in a trunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like to make something disappear in her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but anyways, like they meet and uh, they're they're both, you know, creative in their own right. And they get married after a couple of weeks. And she would often speculate, like, did you really only marry me because I fit in your goddamn trunk? Like, is that yeah. really what happened? But they they stayed married uh, not to, you know, go far away from this. They stayed married, uh, you know, th- their whole life. Um, but in closing, I'll say that when he replaces uh, his brother with her, there were rumors everywhere that the Houdini brothers hated each other and that like he felt betrayed 
And this was in all the papers because Houdini had already made like a pretty big name for himself. And it's true that it was in all the papers and that there were all these rumors, but they were the ones that started the rumors and they did it on purpose. Um, yeah. He wasn't mad pretty at all. Slick. He, he wasn't like some- mad pro wrestling type shit almost that's exactly what i thought his brother wasn't mad at all matter of fact his brother had been wanting to go solo for a while and so they came up with this idea of we'll create this family feud and any so anytime harry's in the paper his brother's going to be in the paper and they would speaking of wrestling they would cut promos on each other like in the paper like talking about how oh he ain't shit you know he learned all that bullshit from me one of them would say like i'm gonna do this great big thing and then the other one would be like oh yeah well i'm gonna do this other thing two weeks later and mine's gonna fucking hit harder and people would go to both because they wanted to compare you know and contrast like which one uh was the the actual best so they remained friends you know until their death all of that was just completely uh for the stage which i think is great and i'm going to end there uh cuz there's so okay. much more there's so much more that i want to get into but once i start on the next thing i can't do it without talking about for an hour so i would like to get some airmail if that's okay with you Trey um yeah and and remember everybody you can email us at putting on airs at gmail.com we really really appreciate you doing so here we go subject line squirrels trey oh, no. ain't gonna like this oh god uh, <clears throat> hey there i just wanted to let you know that someone posted a video of a squirrel mourning another squirrel in the discord that's a that's a reminder by the way we have our own putting on airs discord it's in the hashtag the great squirrel debate channel apparently on our discord tray <laughs> there is a separate channel that is just people constantly going back and forth about the squirrel yeah so join our Discord, everybody, because that sounds like a, a fucking whole lot of fun. Um, subject line here, Marilyn Manson. I am turning 47 this week, and the missing rib and the Wonder Years uh, story was all anybody talked about, especially the Wonder Years when he started hitting the scene to the point I watched him hit the main stage at the Leeds and Reading Festival hit headlining with Slipknot and Eminem and everyone knew the self blowjob rumors and the wonder years. Uh, there's some misspellings here, whatever we were all amazed. He could smash a two hour set missing a rib. He and Slipknot smashed, but Eminem turned up with D 12 and that did not hit at all. Uh, I don't, you have to assume that the reason he says that is because he wanted Eminem all to himself and not with D 12. I would assume so. Yeah. I, this, this, I'm a, this guy, he said the leads and reading festival. So this dude, this is a Brit or yes. it's a, or it's an American who was in England for all this. But, uh, uh, I saw, I saw Eminem once at Bonnaroo and it was great. I had a fucking great time, but he did also <laughs> make some choices that I thought was pretty wild. Rap uh, is hard to translate to live. I've always said it. Yeah. And I still thought he was real good. Uh, and but if if he'd had D twelve with him, it probably wouldn't have hit for me, frankly. Because no, yeah, because you just want Slim. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Uh, subject line: Wonder self suck. Hey guys, loving the podcast. Just wanted you to give an insight into how global the Marilyn Manson rib rumor truly is. 
as a Welsh boy growing up in Germany, I can confirm that indeed in the late 90s in the UK and Germany, the rumor spread like wildfire amongst us horny little scumbags, both that he had a rib removed and that he was the kid from the Wonder Years. I now live in Dubai, which is a melting pot of tones of different nationalities. You guys need to do an episode on this amazing future city, as you called it. I've asked around and can confirm the rumor at some point in its life made it to South Africa, Poland, the Philippines, and Tunisia. Keep up the good work, guys. Skew! Not sure how to spell that. They spelled it exactly correct. Uh, thank Damn, you, dude, my friend. I didn't... I didn't even realize that like Marilyn Manson hit in Tunisia. Me, me either. You know what I mean? Like that's wild. He was like a straight up global, global. superstar. Yeah. <laughs> like I never really. Or at least the story of him sucking his dick was a global yeah, superstar. But that, there's no way that would spread or be noteworthy if he right. himself wasn't noteworthy in that place. You know what I mean? Right. He'd have to be famous there for the story to have any kind of impact. No, I agree. Uh, and finally here, this is a really good one. Um, subject line, two British flag emojis, upper dicker, two uh, eggplant emojis, slash Marilyn Manson ribs and blowjobs. Hello, boys. <laughs> Hello, boys. My name is Rune. Yes, you can read this out. I live in Sussex, England, just down the road from the villages of upper dicker and lower dicker. I shit you not. <laughs> Yes, the rumors about Marilyn Manson having a rib removed so that he could give himself a blowjob, presumably whilst in a state of upper dicker, definitely hit our shores. I think this was in the late 1990s, and it was after the rumors that Cher had a set of ribs removed so that she could fit into those tight PVC outfits uh, had died down. I never heard that. Did you hear the one about Cher? No. That's wild. No. Um, yada, yada, heard the, heard the, uh, story about Paul from the wonder years conclusion. There's not much uh, resemblance and the Venn diagram for Paul and Marilyn doesn't overlap very much. The other rumor that's much older is the one about Richard Gere and the gerbil. That yes. one was common knowledge back in the 1980s. I'd never thought about how these rumors spread before the internet until you mentioned it. And it really is quite wild now that I think about it. I love the podcast. I've been listening for a few months, and I'm gradual, gra gradually, clearly uh, the back on the back catalog. Um, thank you for explaining the word skew the other day. I thought it was just the thing you two said. I mean, it kind of is. I didn't know it was used more widely. I noticed you used the word hit in various ways that I've also <laughs> never heard before, too. Is that also a Southern thing? I've never noticed other Americans using it the way you guys do. Thanks for the POA podcast. I love you guys. And stay fancy, motherfuckers. Rune. <laughs> uh, the... I've noticed every now and then people will use hit the way yes. that we use it. It's just not Agreed. ubiquitous or like super popular, but it does pop up uh, like on the, on the internet and otherwise usually that it's in the context. The most common context is somebody Music. says something hits different. Hits usually. different. Yeah. But, but like, uh, but I've heard people just be like, Oh, this, you know, that macaroni and cheese look like it hits or whatever. Yes. This macaroni and cheese is hitting. This shit is yeah. hitting. There was, there's a Danny Brown ly uh, lyric. I don't remember how it goes, but he, he says something like something, something, something. Cause the dice game was hitting. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes back in like, you know, in rap music, like most things, you know, appropriated from, from black. Yes. It's, it's black in origin. Like anything good, black anything people that figure hits, it out first. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure there's a Will Smith lyric from the 90s where he goes, uh, the lady of my life, she's hitting, uh, hit her with the drop top, with the ribbons, 
crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly getting jiggy with it. Now, if that was Jade at that time, uh, she don't hit, actually. No, she just don't clear hit. that up, just so everybody knows that was not true. She don't hit. Yeah, but, she, uh, uh, she wouldn't let me come on her show because I refused to argue with my mother. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You were going to be on like <laughs> Red Table Talks or whatever. And they, I was, wanted... they, they wanted me to go on Red Table Talk. And like we were we were there for the production meeting or whatever. And they were like, we would like to have the family thing. So like, you know, your mom and dad, you know, and, and they were like, do they think differently than you? And I was like, yeah, of course they do. And the way that they had like set it down was like they 100 percent wanted me to like lambast my parents on yeah. television. And I just like I just. I mean, I really wanted the publicity, don't get me wrong, but I was like, I'm not going to come on here and try to make my mama look stupid. And they were like, okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, anyways, uh, I just, I've always thought with Hit, like people, how can you, I, I just don't see how you can't just look at it and understand the context. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, when, when there's a song, it's like, that's a hit, right? When you're rich, you're hitting the big time. Right. Like, I, I just don't understand people who see it and are like, I have absolutely no idea what this means. And I can't do detective work even a right. little bit. But that's what it is. No, it's not a Southern thing. It is a black thing, but it is a Southern thing for Southern people to steal things from black people. So, yes, it is a Southern <laughs> yes, thing. There you go. Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, Trey, well, where are you going to be uh, this weekend, buddy? Uh Tonight and tomorrow, if you get this when it comes out, I'm in Tacoma, Washington. I was here last night, too. Hopefully it's hitting. Um, I'm sure yeah. it will be. Uh, you, and I'm going to be in uh, Boston, Chicago, Phoenix, uh, the Carolinas coming up. So go to TreyCrowder.com and get your tickets. And also our book around here and over yonder. You can get it wherever you get books. You can find the link on TreyCrowder.com. You can get the audio book on Audible. It hits. Any version That's of it, it hits. It's hitting four people. So if you don't have it already, you should get it. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for me. Agreed. Uh, Thursday, October 19th. So coming up, Chattanooga. Hey, y'all. That's where I started my comedy career, and I'm back for the first time in a while headlining one night only at the Comedy Catch. You can go to uh, uh, thecomedycatch.com for those tickets. I will also be, this is just announced, I'll be at the Gray Eagle in Asheville, North Carolina, December 28th with friends of the show, Good Cop, Rad Cop. And I'm here to tell you, uh, if you've seen me in Asheville before, this will be a completely different show because Good Cop, Rad Cop is a musical comedy duo, and we are working on some joint productions, so it's going to be something else. So uh, there you go. But Thursday, October 19th, come see me, Chattanooga. Get the book, and as always, stay fancy, motherfuckers. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh a little even when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo!
As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt, just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at savewithconrad.com.